Hi, my name is Sebastian de Montessu. I'm the CEO of uh, Endeavor Mining. Um, Endeavor Mining is a FTSE 100 listed company, uh, which is uh, operating exclusively in West Africa. We're the largest uh, West African gold producer uh, with um, very strong balance sheet, uh, a lot of growth, and more importantly, also one of the lowest cost producer uh, in the world. Sebastian, good to see you again, sir. Um, right, Q, Q4 numbers out. Uh, I best we, we better start with those, and then we'll kind of get into a more meaningful discussion. Go for it. What, what do we need to know about Q4? Oh, most important is, you know, overall, um, the full year 22 results, uh, you know, marked our 10th consecutive year of meeting or, ex or exceeding, you know, our guidance, uh, you know, which is always, you know, impressive in this industry when you're able, I mean, to deliver, you know, what you said, uh, in particular, uh, given the difficult year last year was, I mean, for a lot of producers in the inflationary environment. Um, if we were, I mean, to summarize last year, I would probably say that uh, we produced 1.4 million ounces, uh, you know, cementing our position as, you know, one of the top 10 gold producers. Um, our all-in sustaining cost, which is really the production cost, were below uh, $9.30 per ounce, uh, making us, you know, one of the lowest gold producers uh, in the world, uh, which is, you know, Obviously, again, you know, pretty impressive in the current inflationary environment. Uh, so overall, very strong uh, operating performance. We generated above $1 billion in operating cash flow. Uh, we ended up, you know, the financial year with a balance sheet with net cash position of $120 million. And we've been able to continue to uh, progressively increase uh, our shareholder return policy uh, by distributing, you know, $300 million back, you know, to our shareholders by way of dividends and, uh, and buyback, you know, which is making that about 6% indicative yield, uh, you know, for the Endeavor stock, uh, which I think is, you know, pretty, pretty attractive. And maybe the one thing that I should uh, emphasize also is we launched, you know, our two key growth projects, uh, the expansion of Sabah de la Masawa mine in Senegal, and we're also building a new greenfield mine in, uh, in Côte d'Ivoire called La Figue. Uh, so that will be uh, helping us, I mean, to increase, you know, our growth over the next uh, the next few years. And on top of that, we made one major discovery uh, in Côte d'Ivoire uh, with a three million ounce, you know, discovery at Tenda Iguala, uh, which is another green shield in uh, in Côte d'Ivoire. So yeah, I mean, pretty happy with this, uh, you know, momentum in 2022 that should carry over in 23 and 24. Well, well, here's here's the thing, uh, Sebastian. You know. You're you're happy with that 1.4 million ounces? Who wouldn't be an an ASIC of you know whatever to to was it 928? I think we're talking about. So good good suggest good margins to be had, and you're building a nice cash reserve, and you you know I think you should just under 300 million bucks worth of um, returns to shareholders in 2022. But the growth story needs to continue, and the difficulty with large companies they kind of reach a point where it feels like it just gets a bit sluggish, and the growth story gets harder to tell. I'm looking at share price. From June 2021 through to today, 15% increase. Even with a peak um, share price, it's about 25%. The share price in that very difficult precious metal environment from gold and silver was sluggish. How do you change things? Are you, because of the disconnect between commodity prices and, and, and equities during that period, how do we change things going forward? Well, I think you. Uh, I mean, I think you're right, and there are, there are several uh, several factors. Uh, you know, if you look at our share price, um, this is mechanically linked. I mean, to the fact that we moved them I mean, into a London listing, you know, in 21. Um, if we look, you know, on a relative basis now, you know, we've been one of the best performing stock, you know, in the in the sector. 
Um, if we look at growth, and I think, uh, you know, this is where, you know, we should be all heading, uh, you know, we need to put growth. You know, we're pretty lucky, as you said, I mean, a lot of the large groups don't have any growth. In fact, you know, are desperate, I mean, to find, you know, the next growth projects. Uh, we're just building two now and uh, we keep discovering, you know, new greenfield, uh, which hopefully will turn into the next, uh, the next projects. Just with those two projects that we're building right now, you know, our production will grow by, you know, at least 20% over the next two years, uh, which is quite significant in the, uh, uh, given the competitive landscape, you know, where the others, you know, don't have much growth. But on top of that, what we like is, um, as you know, we are operating in the most attractive jurisdiction uh, in terms of uh, discoveries. Uh, so West Africa is today, you know, the largest production for gold region in the world. Uh, but on top of that, it's been for the last 10 years, the biggest region for discoveries. So if you want to find the next projects, you need to be in West Africa. And we enjoy, I mean, the, you know, largest, uh, you know, position in this region, uh, you know, operating across four different countries. So, yeah, I think that, you know, given the exploration efforts that we're making, you know, you will continue to see further, uh, you know, growth, you know, coming out from, you know, our portfolio. Okay. So you've been quite a generous um, dividend plan, 6%. That's significantly higher than uh, most of your peers, um, but you don't want to be known as a dividend-only company. So, how do you get that balance between working at, um, you know, the the use of the free cash flow that you you you've got? You, you talk about Lift Gay and obviously Tande Aguela um, as kind of you know Greenfield and the future of, of, of the company. But what else are you doing in terms of like allocating um, capital? Just the decision making around the allocation of capital. So I think what's interesting and, 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 and quite unique is the ability, I mean, to continue to maintain a very low production cost, uh, which obviously in strong, you know, gold price environment means that we are able to generate significant, you know, cash flow. Um, when we started, I mean, the two projects, you know, construction projects, we were net cash positive, you know, on the balance sheet and ended up, you know, 22 with a net cash position on the balance sheet. So despite the fact that, you know, we are investing heavily in building those two mines, we believe that, you know, thanks to the gold price environment and our low production cost, you know, we will end up that phase in 24 with still a very strong balance sheet and therefore will be benefiting, you know, from there, you know, with even further, you know, cash flow on the balance sheet, which will allow us to continue, I mean, to grow our shareholder returns, you know, program by increasing, you know, dividends, but also increasing, you know, our uh, buyback program. Okay, so it's a bit of a look at you, you, I think you talk about um, allocating, um, you know, more money on the dividends than you had given guidance for. And with the share buybacks as well, obviously that's all positive for shareholders. But given there's, a, there's also a narrative in the background going, well, it's better to buy physical gold as a hedge against inflation and all of the other pressures we've seen, given what, you know, equities have, you know, failed to do last year. Do you think that your plans are enough to entice, you know, well, your shareholders continue buying and new shareholders to, to come in with the batch of this kind of higher gold price, you know, we're, we're nearly, you know, we're hitting like 2000 bucks last week at one point. Well, I think it's, um, you know, you've always have a lag between, you know, uh, physical gold price, uh, and the gold equities. Uh, and I think that, uh, you know, that's what we're going to see again. I'm always cautious when you have, you know, a big spike, I mean, in the gold price, you know, on a, on a very short period of time. Uh, you know, the market, I mean, is waiting to see whether this is, you know, stabilizing as the next step. So uh, if you look at, you know, over the last few years, I mean, we went back, I mean, to 1200 gold price, then we rallied, I mean, to, you know, 15, 16, then bounced back, you know, to 14. Once we started, I mean, to, 
you know, stay around 1400, then, you know, it started to move back, I mean, to 1800, then once at 1800, it stabilized around 1600. So now what we're seeing is, you know, it's getting more and more often, I mean, to 2000, as soon as it's going to stabilize around the 19 and 2000, you know, people's going to realize, you know, how much cheap, I mean, gold equities are. I mean, if you realize, I mean, you can buy today, you know, end of a stock and, you know, a lot of the gold stocks, you know, on four or five times, you know, multiple of EBITDA. When in other sectors, I mean, you would be paying sometimes between 15 to 20 times EBITDA. Uh, so, yeah, I think there is a massive discount on gold equities. And, uh, you know, as long as, and, and I'm pretty bullish on, you know, where gold price, I mean, is heading, uh, we should see, I mean, significant re-rating on the uh, gold equities. Right. And obviously, um, you know, exploration companies, development companies and, and producers, you know, have different kind of leverage points. But you've, you've all, well... I'd say well, maybe you're an exception here, but you've all seen sort of all you know all time kind of lows in terms of how people the market is valuing or valuing some of these the, these companies. Do you think producers are going to be in a better position going forward, or is that kind of magic and allure and romanticism of expiration leverage still going to you know draw people away from investing in companies like yours? Well, when you've got, uh, you know, um, uh, a shift, you know, where the market, I mean, looks more and more into, uh, you know, gold equities, you basically are looking at new inflows from generalist funds and people, you know, wants to basically have a smaller location, you know, uh, of, you know, their entire wealth into gold. Um, it means that, you know, they are looking, uh, you know, for, you know, the gold upside, but also for safe investment. And therefore, they tend, I mean, to first go to, you know, producers simply because of the cash flow generated by the producers before, I mean, seeing that flowing down, I mean, to projects and exploration. But if you are able, you know, as a strong, you know, producer to demonstrate also that you have growth, you know, inbounded uh, in, 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 into your profile, uh, which we have, I mean, with, you know, two projects in construction and also a lot of exploration coming up, then I think you probably have, you know, the best of both worlds. So, okay, so, and, and tell, tell us in terms of um, how do you, value companies like your, yourself you know every, every serious job is to tell me their company's undervalued you're at whatever 1.7 1.8 billion um pounds at the moment you, you, we've seen a couple of expiration companies shape of you know great great bear we've seen uh, you know bought out 1.6 we've seen newfound gold valued at over a billion bucks for well we don't know how many answers they've got are companies like yours attractive to the big guys trying to kind of backfill you know their their you know reserve numbers um, do you think there's more M&A happening? Are you part of that story? Are you acquisitor? Are you being bought? I mean, how do, how do you view the future? You know, as uh, as I keep saying, you know, I'm working for shareholders, so I always do, you know, the right thing for shareholders. And, uh, you know, in our business, you know, even my chair, you know, has a price. So, uh, you know, if someone wants to buy it and he puts the right price, you know, uh, and is the right But my, my point is, how do you value it? Because if you're seeing those explorers getting plus billion dollar valuations, they don't have cash. And so I think I think in, in, in those cases, it's really large projects uh, which are required, I mean, for, you know, the big, you know, uh, gold producers, uh, which are short, in fact, of, you know, growth in the, in the future. Um, that's why we've been, you know, seeing a lot of further consolidation uh, simply because, you know, players are looking for growth uh, and they don't have that in their portfolio. The good thing with us is we do have that growth, you know, already embedded into into our portfolio and we keep investing in exploration to prepare the future so i think that uh you know it means that uh, we don't necessarily need to do you know m a to continue to grow we have that 
Uh, but at the same time, you know, we're not shy in doing acquisition, you know, when it's required. So, uh, you know, if we see good opportunities, we'll be looking at it. And, uh, you know, if one day, you know, one of the big guys thinks that, you know, we are an attractive platform, then, you know, we're always open, you know, for, uh, you know, for discussions. I do believe that, you know, the market will continue to consolidate uh, because we are a tiny industry compared to other base metals industries. So I think you should see, you know, more and more consolidation. The fact that, you know, Newmont is trying to, you know, buy Newcrest, you know, is, is a signal. Uh, and I think you'll see, you know, probably further into that, uh, into that and do, you, and do you think some new money coming into this space? I'm talking about, you know, like mining's, mining's tiny. I always say to people, if you, if you put together all the producers, developers, and explorers uh, together as one company, it would be half the size of Apple. We, we're a tiny industry, but we are starting to see some relatively big funds come into the space looking to see what the fuss is about. Is is that going to be a game changer too? Or is it going to, are you, companies like yourself, going to rely on industry? I think it's going to be, it's going to be, I fully agree, Matt. I think it's going to be a complete game changer. Uh, I think that, you know, a lot of the generalist funds were uh, disappointed by the relative real performance of gold equities in the last cycle. So, uh, you know, when we were, you know, back in 2012, you know, between 2008, 2012, where the gold price, I mean, rallied, you know, from 1,000 to 1,800, uh, you saw, I mean, you know, massive investment into real profitable, you know, uh, uh, projects. Uh, so basically, you know, margin reducing. So despite the fact that you had, you know, higher gold price, you know, people were doing, you know, crazy M&A, crazy investments, no discipline. Uh, those lessons have been learned in this sector. At least, you know, all the top, you know, companies, you know, are much more disciplined towards that. So the market and generalist funds are still, you know, waiting to see, you know, the uh, the gold price stabilizing and, and, and continuing, you know, to, to grow, uh, you know, to, to rush into that sector because the discipline around the way people have been operating demonstrate today, you know, very attractive returns. And as we said, I mean, you know, four or five times, you know, uh, EBDA multiple is something you can't find, you know, today in other sectors, in particular profitable businesses. So, uh, yes, I mean, it's becoming more and more attractive for them. Old school. There you are making money. Um, <laughs> goes against the grain. Um, just to say, can you just, um, again, remind me of some of the numbers? With regards to Sabadala, uh, Sabadala Masawa expansion, obviously Amplifiga as well, um, and then Tande Aguela uh, in, in the future. What what are the sort of numbers we're going to be aiming for? Is it a kind of nice, because at 1.4 million, it's starting to get quite hot and heavy there. So what does the future look like? So in terms of, uh, you know, gross projects, we've got the uh, Sabadola Masawa expansion. That's about uh, $290 million capex uh, over, uh, you know, two years, two years plus period. Uh, we've got now about 55, 60%, you know, of the capex, which is committed. Um, everything, I mean, is progressing well there, the civil works, the milling, the biox areas and so on. So we're expecting production to start in Q2, uh, 24. Um, this will allow us, I mean, to bring production at Sabadora Masawa in Senegal from about 320 to about 400,000 ounces a year. So, you know, making it, you know, again, one of the, uh, you know, biggest assets, uh, you know, in the world, uh, starting to be in the tier one field. Um, and then you've got the uh, Lafigue Greenfield project in Côte d'Ivoire. Uh, that's about uh, uh, 400, uh, $500 million, $450 million, you know, capex uh, in total. Um, commissioning expected again, end of Q2, beginning of Q3, 24. Uh, progressing again, uh, extremely well. Um, and this will be 200, 250,000 ounces, you know, yearly at very low all-in sustaining costs or below nine, $900, you know, all-in sustaining costs for the next 10 years. So... 
you know, those are, you know, significant projects. Um, this is the second time, second phase of building, you know, uh, two projects at the same time. We did it, you know, back in 18 and 19, where we built in a row Hyundai and Iti, uh, which are, you know, each of them producing between 250 and 300,000 ohms at low cost. So, um, yeah, I mean, we, we like, I mean, to have those, uh, you know, capabilities, internal capabilities on, you know, building those uh, those assets for the future. Right, okay. Now, obviously, all of this organic growth fund, funded by, you know, the large cash flows that are, that are coming in. But the one of the other big numbers that you're trying to hit is around your exploration program. You've been, you, like you say, you've had guidance 10 years in a row, okay? People should trust your ability to actually, you know, do what you say and say what you do. But on the exploration side, um, what does that kind of ramp up or what's your expectation of that ramp up over the next three years? Sure. So what what has been, you know, uh, exploration has been one of our key pillars. Uh, I mean, that's the cheapest way, I mean, to get returns, I mean, to shareholders by discovering, you know, your next mine and your own answers rather than having to buy them. Uh, so what has been remarkable is that back in 2016, when we started at Endeavor, we launched a, a five-year exploration strategic plan where the objective was to find between 10 to 15 million ounces of indicated resources. So we not just only said, you know, we are going to invest, you know, $40 million a year in exploration. We effectively, back in 2016, said we will find between 10 and 15 million ounces of indicated resources. And the reason we were able to pinpoint, you know, what the target was in terms of discoveries is because of the uh, very, very strong prospectivity uh, of the areas, you know, where we're working. As I said, West Africa is today, you know, the biggest, you know, prospective areas for gold discovery for the last 10 years. And at the end of this five-year program, we effectively found 11.5 million ounces of indicated resources. So on the back of that, you know, as we grow, we said, okay, now we launch the new five-year exploration strategic plan. But this time, we're going to find between 15 to 20 million ounces of indicated resources. And in fact, we keep discovering. And the fact that uh, last year we discovered this new Tenda Iguela, uh, you know, uh, green shield, you know, exploration, has been just 15 months of drilling program. And we already have 1 million ounce of indicated resources and 2 million ounce of inferred resources at above 2 grams a ton. So we already know that we've got there, you know, our next project, you know, for the future. And that's what we love. I mean, we with, with West Africa is, you know, it's so prospective. I mean, there is so much still, I mean, to be found in terms of answers. Well, Santa, how do you feel about the, the, the economy? Again, talking about gold producer. So it's gold is important there, but also producing cash is important. Um, You've got banking crises over the past few weeks. Looks like it it may may blow itself out, but inflation hasn't gone away. You know, you've got the Fed and and other and other governments raise raising um, interest rates to kind of deal with that. How have you dealt with it? Do you see that? How far in the future do you see that being um, a, a a variable which you still need to, you know, be worried about? So I think in terms of inflation, um, it's going to stay, you know, for a while. I mean, around. Uh, and this is why it's important, I mean, to maintain a very low cost, you know, production profile, uh, which is what we have. Um, we've been able, I mean, to consolidate on our side, you know, a lot, you know, our supply chain in order to renegotiate each time as we grow, you know, our key procurement uh, contracts, which has allowed us, I mean, to, uh, to maintain a very attractive price despite the inflation. You know, being, you know, a platform where you're the largest, you know, gold producer in one single region means that you have a lot of synergies also in the way you operate. Um, so we've been able, I mean, to, to face and, and try to mitigate, I would say, those inflation. A lot of productivity also, and this has played well as we demonstrated last year with, uh, you know, nine, $928 uh, 
you know, all in sustaining cost and one of the only company that has maintained and achieved its guidance versus the rest of the, uh, of the sector. Um, now going forward, you know, I'm pretty, uh, a bit on the fact that, you know, gold is just on the rise. Uh, I mean, when you look at the environment in which we operate, uh, you know, there is only one way, which is, uh, which is up. I mean, uh, we've been printing, you know, billions and billions and billions, you know, of, uh, of dollars in cash over the last, uh, you know, three, four years, you know, between COVID and, 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 and trying to recover from COVID. Uh, it's creating, you know, a significant inflation environment. Interest rates are on the rise, but we know that at some point in interest rates, you know, will have, I mean, to go back down simply because the economy will need, I mean, some, uh, some growth uh, if you don't want, you know, major recessions. And this will be a signal where, you know, the gold price, you know, will continue to go uh, even further than Okay, so now, I'll just finish off. Um, obviously, you're you obviously quite pleased with the fact that, you know, $928 uh, dollar an ounce, all in sustaining costs, um, is one of the lowest, if, you know, if not the lowest in, in the sector. Um, and obviously, in a rising gold, gold environment for some companies, that additional that margin will cover a multitude of sins. Um, so, in terms of my ability as an investor to look at the producers, I can't invest in everyone. I'm not going to spread myself thin. What do you think is the makeup of a good producer versus something that perhaps is a little bit, well, marginal, we'll call it? Well, I think a good producer is, uh, you know, a producer which is diversified over several assets. I mean, you don't want a single asset company. I mean, if you've got a problem, you know, on the asset, then, you know, uh, you're failing. Uh, well, when you have, you know, several assets, you know, you can mitigate, uh, you know, some of those operational risk. Uh, so, you know, diversified over several assets. Uh, low cost, I think, is critical. And being able to identify, you know, people that over the last, you know, few years have been able to maintain you know, their cost, you know, in particular below $1,000, I think it is a good signal on, uh, you know, the discipline that the teams have, you know, in a changing environment and volatile environment to adapt themselves, I mean, to this. And I think that's a very strong signal. Uh, you know, if you look at some of the majors, I mean, cost just goes, you know, up and up. I mean, you've got now, you know, some of the majors that were operating at 900, which are now operating at 1300, you know, all in sustaining saves a lot. Uh, it means that they're not adapting, you know, the structures you know, to, uh, you know, to, to the new, to the new environment. So those are probably, you know, the, the, the two things that, you know, I would focus on. Yeah. No, I think a lot of those CEOs who I've interviewed and spoken to, they talk about a new reality, uh, meaning that I, I guess the, 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 the market and the economy is getting the blame for, you know, their, their inability to adapt. So it's an interesting point you make. Well, Sebastian, I'm like, appreciated the uh, conversation today. Great update. Obviously great 2022 for you guys in 2023. Uh, fully funded, ready, raring to go. So um, thanks for uh, the call. No, thank you so much, Matt.